What up? It's your boy Tommy G here with episode five of the No Mercy podcast. Uh, this is a very interesting episode. Uh, we are going to be talking a lot about the Jets-Browns game last night. I'm going to be joined by MLB Model, so we'll do a lot of gambling talk on this podcast. We're going to talk about Baker Mayfield, talk about Hugh Jackson's ridiculous comments, whether the Jets should be starting Darnold. Uh, going to go heavy into my Twitter meltdown last night during the Jets-Browns games, some of the fights that were taking place on Twitter. Going to recap week two of the Super Contest and some of the picks. Going to talk about how to bounce back after a bad week, how to manage your bankroll and gambling. And then we're going to go into week three and talk about some lines that are kind of jumping off the page for us right now that you should get bets down on now before the weekend comes here. Uh, we're going to set MLB model off, talking about the Braille on the back of the Orioles jerseys, uh, and then some answers, some Twitter questions. But uh, more importantly than that, for those of you in the DFS industry who know the Siege and Draft Cheat, uh, the fight is back on. It went back on last night. They were supposed to fight in a boxing match last year. Siege backed out due to a quote-unquote shoulder injury. And last night called DC out again. And this time it's for real. So uh, Tom King and No Mercy Productions will be taking this over. I brought both of them on to discuss this pending boxing match that will be taking place in March. So you don't want to miss that. That is probably the last 20, 30 minutes of the podcast. So please, please, please go and subscribe uh, down on iTunes or Podbeam or whatever outlet you're on. These pods obviously drop at some random times. So by subscribing, you'll get notified the second they're released so that you don't have to be in front of the Twitter machine. Uh, also, write some reviews. Doesn't matter if they're good or bad. Don't care if you like me or fucking hate me. Just, uh, just write some in there. Tell me to go fuck myself. But uh, without further ado, let's get to the show. Hit it, Miyagi. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. What up? Let's get weird. It's your boy Tommy G here with episode five of the No Mercy podcast. We got a banger for you guys today. I am hungover as fuck. Anyone who follows me on Twitter at Tommy G, also follow No Mercy Pod at No Mercy Pod on Twitter, and then Instagram at Tommy G DFS. Uh, Thursdays and Sundays are my big fucking drinking days, as you guys know. And I tend to go full-blown prison mic, partly for fun and partly because I'm just hammered and I don't know what to do with myself. But uh, last night, got pretty blackout, woke up pretty late, getting a late start to this. And I'm fighting through it for you guys, our loyal listeners. With me to help on this show today is the most useless sack of shit in the entire universe, Robert at MLB Model. What's up, you fucking donkey? Tommy, you look like fucking shit. I'm I not going to lie to you. I look really bad. Turn your mic up a little. You sound a little low. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I look like fucking death. I look like I got fucking skull fucked by a by a orangutan. <laughs> and Tommy's drinking this giant jug of water. You guys, yeah, I got my Elvin Evan Silva jug with me over here. I'm just dumping it on his face, fucking trying to get going. <sighs> yeah, I, I've drank three quarters of a jug of water already uh, since I've been up. So, what are we going to do on the show today? Uh, whenever Rob comes on at the end of the week, obviously we're going to talk a lot of gambling. We'll go back to last week a little bit. What went right, what went wrong, more what went wrong. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about upcoming week three. So we're going to go through some of the games that we're looking at that we're key on. Uh, go over to guruelite.com. You can sign up for our gambling package over there. 
We have a full season gambling package, which includes MMA, golf, uh, baseball bets, football bets, college football bets, you name it. And then we have weekly passes too uh, for $19.99. If you guys just wanted to try it, it's a seven day pass. So you'll get seven days from whenever you guys sign up. So get over to guruelite.com. Check that shiat out. Uh, we're going to, we have a special guest, which I'll talk about in a minute coming on later in the show. Uh, we're definitely going to go into the Browns jets last night. Uh, those of you who saw my Twitter probably are waiting my rant and tirade on the jets Browns game. Uh, what else are we going to do? We'll talk about how to bounce back from a tough week, go into a little strategy on that. We'll answer some Twitter questions. Uh, but then on the back end, just because a lot of you listening have no idea who Siege is or who Draft Cheat is or even what the fuck DFS is, because this isn't just a DFS show anymore. It's a national podcast. We have a little war brewing within the daily fantasy community amongst our very own Draft Cheat and the Siege. And we will actually, I'm going to be bringing both of them on because they agreed to fight each other in March, and I'm going to, uh, to be promoting this fight. It'll be the first event of No Mercy Promotions, and I'm going to make this a fucking melee if it happens. They were supposed to fight before. Things happened. We'll address that at the end. What went on with that? But I'm going to bring both guys on here to have our first No Mercy Promotions press conference for this DFS throwdown. So, Robert, let's start there for a second. If you had to make a line on this fight, Siege versus Draft Cheat, what would your line be? So, first of all, I have to make a line of whether it's going to happen or not. Wasn't there right, like that's, an that's, issue yes. of like medical clearance last time? Or I don't know what went down, but some shit went down. This fight was supposed to happen a year ago. Tommy King had the fucking the fro up, the chains on, the gold jacket, the American flag. He was ready to go. So, we've been here before, though, right, Tommy? And it just yeah. The first time. We have. What would you put the line at it even happening? I, I, I think it's a dog. All right, I, right. I'm going to say agree. I'm going to say it is plus two hundred that this happens. So I'm going to set it at like forty percent that this game happened, that this fight happened. I mean, I know draft cheats in, and I confirmed with C's this morning just to make sure he wasn't drunk last night and just you know talking smack. He said it's definitely happening. So uh, I'm going to have some uh, strong words for both of these gentlemen because if Tom King and No Mercy Promotions is going to get involved in this and this shit doesn't go down. There's going to be a fight, and it's going to be me and whoever the fuck backs out. That's what the fight's going to be. So I'm going to take it definitely as a strong maybe, Tommy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if, I, if I'm going to be pushing this thing and promoting it, I'm going to have contests going. We're going to fly people out. I'm going to rent out probably a, you know, at least the VIP area of a club, and we're going to throw an after party. I'm going to have ring girls. Like I'm planning for all this. I already volunteered to donate $5,000 of my own money to Charity of Siege's Choice if this goes down. So I am putting my money where my mouth is. So if you do not fight, boys, you are not only letting down all of us, you are letting down whatever children will benefit from my $5,000 donation. So this shit is going to go down. Do and it I'm going to make children. it. Do it for the children. What do you got the line at, Rob? Uh, so I will I, – so obviously I'm going to line this in D.C.'s favor. Uh, I'm going to put it about 350, 400. So – Something in that range. Yeah, I'm going to have to put a poll out because we don't really know what the betting public is looking at. But uh, we'll have my bookie line this fucker and throw something up for us. Uh, by the way, my bookie, if you guys are interested in doing some online gambling, we get these questions all the time. Head over to mybookie.com. Use the promo code GuruElite. What is it, Rob? 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 or something like that? Yeah, 100%. And, and they will line this fight for us. I'll call my boy Marcus now, who's the odds maker over there, and get this thing lined, boys. So let's get it on. But we'll be able to bet on this. So 
Let's talk about the game last night. I came out on Twitter publicly very, very early on and was just firing off tweets about how fucking stupid you have to have been to bet the Browns in this game. This wasn't after 14 nothing. This was very, very early on in the first quarter. And I stand by my statement. I stand by my statement. It, it literally, I think betting the Browns in this game is just fucking crazy. My first tweet was, imagine betting on the Browns as a favorite, right? And then my second one, I think, made more sense. Imagine making this call. Hi, Mr. Bookie. I'd like to put my hard-earned American dollars on a team coached by Hugh Jackson who just lost their best page player to the Patriots, who hasn't won in 600 fucking days and has Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to lay three points, you dumb, dumb fucks. And I stand by that. The Jets lost this game. I got absolutely fucking lambasted on Twitter for standing out there naked all night with my fucking dick hanging out, telling everyone to go fuck themselves, like I always do, because part, that's part of my job. That's my job, to entertain people on Thursday and Sunday nights because the games usually suck. But, uh, Rob, what was your take on this game as a whole? I know where you were leaning, even though you were a complete fucking pussy once the Browns started coming back and stopped cheering, whoa, Jets, and turned into, wow, look at Baker, you fucking pivoting bitch. So I did flip-flop on this. I, yeah. Initially, I was really pulling for the Jets. And then I saw your tweets about the Browns, and so I just flipped just to be a fucking asshole to you, more or less, is why I did it. Douchebag. You're fucking <laughs> I mean, you, you pulled the ultimate fucking ultimate DFS tout move when you're pushing something hard and then all of a sudden when things go your way, just fucking pivot and change topics. Just like, oh look how good Baker is. Baker's great. Meanwhile, at the beginning you were like, imagine betting the Browns. Yeah, absolutely. But Tommy, let's be honest here. Baker had a hell of a second fucking half. I mean, this kid, uh, Probably as good of a half as any rookie's ever had, right? I mean, it just in history, insane what he did. It's, it's, I don't know if you put it above or right at, but it's not below what Aaron Rodgers did just a couple weeks back when he came in and, you know, came in off out of the half and limped onto the field and just absolutely marched down a three touchdown deficit on the Bears. That was Aaron Rodgers, right? This is Baker Mayfield in his first action as a pro. Obviously, we're not counting the preseason, but his first regular season action. I was tweeting at halftime, like, these people are acting like fucking Tom Brady or Brett Favre's coming out of the locker room in the second half. And he did. <laughs> he fucking did. He looked incredible. And I'm a Baker fan. I actually like the kid. I was, you know, Rob, you heard us all preseason. I was saying he should be starting. How the fuck is he not starting over Tyrod fucking Taylor? Tyrod Taylor is fucking garbage. He's complete trash. I just I mean that was a ceiling game. Like I don't know if you'll see Baker Mayfield play that well for a half of football for the rest of his career. Well, he I mean, had like six drops. He was that, throwing that, in the windows that were barely cracked, right? Just fucking dimes. And how many drops did he have? Three? Seventeen for twenty-three for two hundred yards. Uh forget the touchdown because they were down inside the two and they just ran him in, which makes sense. But Callaway dropped that big ball on the sideline. And Joku dropped one on the sideline. Landry had one bounce off his fucking face in a pivotal spot. And he never drops anything. I mean, this kid realistically, if they would have and these weren't like difficult catches. These were balls in their hands. He realistically could have been 21 for 23 for 201 yards or 241 yards. Just, I mean, he did almost throw that interception uh, that which should have been picked off by the Jets on that initial drive, which ended up being a, pretty much a killer. 
But just, yo, kudos, kudos. Those of you who bet the second half made, made the right bet. You know, it, it ended up being the right bet. I'm not going to knock you guys that took the Browns minus four and a half in the second half. Uh, that was the right bet. Uh, I don't know if it was the right bet, but it was a good bet. I, if you thought Baker was going to come out, and be great. But those of you that won the game bet, you're fucking idiots because none of you bet on Baker Mayfield. There wasn't a single fucking person, Rob, that made that bet on Baker Mayfield. You dumb fucks bet on Tyrod Taylor. And I even said in my tweet, this team is coached by Hugh Jackson and led by Tyrod fucking Taylor. The, the bet was against Tyrod Taylor. That's what the bet is. And, and you know, but Rob, I even mentioned it to you a couple days ago. When Baker starts playing for the Browns, I'm going to start playing Browns and DFS. Remember I said that? I was like, but as long as Tyrod's in there, he's killing Njoku. He's killing every fucking receiver on that team. These fucking people didn't bet. They, they won. You're a process guy, and I know you want to talk about this. They won the bet, but that you do not fucking get credit for that win. But, but Tommy G, Tommy G, you had to know Baker was going to come in the game, right? Isn't that the argument we heard? I, I bet the game pregame. You, everybody had to know Baker was coming in at some point if the Browns went down. Dude, it- I got three tweets, Rob, from people saying, well, part of the reason I made the bet was because I knew if Tyrod struggled that Baker was going to come in, and I was banking on that. You dumb fuck. Ah. You stupid, dumb fuck. Think about what you just said. Think about what you just said. Rob, is there any circumstance in the history of the world where if the Browns are winning, they're going to pull Tyrod? No. 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 You're never going to pull Tyrod if they're winning 10-7. The only scenario where they would pull Tyrod Taylor is if they were losing. And for you to take minus three before the game – if you knew they'd be losing at some point and could literally get a seven-point better spread, you're fucking dumber than anyone who bet it before the game. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you just take if you had Wait this for the in-game. value? Play the in-game. You could have played the fucking money line. I don't even know what it got to, but you could have played that money line at some point for uh, probably 220 or something. So, yeah, total bullshit. But I saw somebody come at you with that argument, Tommy, oh and I just God. knew – that this motherfucker's going, hey, I voluntarily gave away all the value that I thought I had on the game and bet it free game. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing. Listen, I'm, I'm taking my L. I was, I, I was wrong. Uh, there's an asterisk, but I was wrong. The Jets lost. I thought the Jets would win. The Jets were dominating until fuckwad Taylor went out of the game and, and Baker Brady came in and just fucking took over the world. But it literally took every single possible thing to go right for the Browns to win that bet. So I would make that same exact bet tomorrow if they played with Tyrod Taylor in because Tyrod Taylor is that fucking bet. But this brings us to a question, Rob, not necessarily just on this game, but in general, process versus result. Um, I have some takes on this that are kind of going to argue against people taking it too far. But talk to me a little bit. I know you're a big proponent of this. It's not about the result. It's about the process and making the right bet, et cetera, et cetera. Anybody ever wants me to punch them in the face, do this, do this. If you want to be punched in the face, tell me after the game what the right side of the game was. Because because if you have that strong of an opinion on something, put your fucking money down before the game starts. Put it down before the game starts. After it's over, I don't give two fucks about your results-based analysis, okay? The result of the game does not have any bearing on the quality of the wager that you made pregame. 
Now, in hindsight, it's really easy to go, boy, that was fucking stupid. Why did I make that bet, right? But your results should not be the driver of your pregame decisions. And, and I think that's true, right? Like, especially the way you bet, right? Because I'm betting, you know, more winners and losers, right? I'm trying to get Ws, right? I'm, I'm even not jumping on lines first thing in the week if I don't think I'm well-researched enough because I'd rather have more research and even a tiny bit of a worse line. Whereas you're just going to jump on the best line possible all the time. And you're looking for line value, right? Like if you, you built, there was a question on Twitter that we got uh, about your model, right? And it said, Rob, on the podcast, can you teach us how to build a model, <laughs> build a gambling model? Yes. First so of Rob, in 30 seconds or less, can you teach the people how to build a gambling model? Get a degree in math and shit like that. And then... <laughs> but <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> no, how to create your own handicapping model. So for those of you that don't know, we explained that on the last podcast, I believe, but Rob actually creates his own lines. He has an algorithm and, you know, this whole fucking, I don't even know what the fuck it is, some nerd shit that he uses that actually spits out what the lines are supposed to be for the game. So his bets are made on, I have this team laying five. They're really laying seven. There's two points of value here. I'm going to take the value side of this game, no matter what the fuck I think, no matter who's playing quarterback, no matter what the weather is, there's literally nothing that could get in the way of that model, right? So it's pretty easy for you to judge if you made a good bet just on CLV alone. Well, the only thing I care about, Tommy, you've made fun of me about this for years, but I get more excited about getting 30 cents on a money line than I do about the outcome of the game. Because what do I know? If the market has agreed with me over the long term, my bets are going to be plus EV and I'm going to be making money on my bets. The results, totally random. I can't control the results. I don't throw a baseball or throw a fucking football. I just watch. So, um, you know, it's totally random. All I care about is getting in good, getting a good number, and just, uh, you know, taking it from there. Yeah. My, the other thing I hate, though, on the other side of it is process is also an excuse. It's an excuse for, quote, unquote, I'm, I'm doing air quotes right now, for sharps out there to act like they were always right, right? Like, well, the process was right. Well, you, the process can't always be right if you keep losing, too. These motherfuckers right? don't have a process, Tommy. That's all right. bullshit. It's exactly. All bullshit. So it's like eventually you have to start getting results and start seeing results or your process is wrong. You could be following a process, but that doesn't make the fucking process right. The thing that pisses me off is when I'll go out and say, hey, I want to play player X because of these five reasons. Here's what I think is going to happen. And then the sharp fucking losers out there will be like, oh, that's wrong. It's a bad play. You shouldn't play it. And then my process leads to the exact result that I thought, and then I still don't get credit. It's still, <laughs> well, it was still a bad play. Why? Because it didn't match your fucking process. Your process isn't the only one. So I do agree with that. Um, you can't be overly results-oriented, but at the same token, your bookie doesn't pay on process. You know, DraftKings doesn't pay on process, right? So if your process isn't leading to results – then you better change your process because eventually it should. That's absolutely right. So you can't, you can't take your CLV down to the fucking corner bar and get a beer with it, right? But CLV I don't think is – I think CLV is something you can hang your hat on. By the way, that stands for closing line value. Because if you're getting a line at three and it closes at five and you had the favorite, so you basically made the right bet. So even if you keep continually losing, but you're getting good CLV, you know you're doing something right. Right, but at the end of the day, you still have to cash that ticket to, be, to win the bets, right? Yeah. But you're right. 
if you if you're getting line value, that that's everything. You know, in in a in a, in a DFS contest, you don't have that sort of option. Um, but you know, really, all you should care about is that COV. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when you're in the market. And and here's another thing too. Here's my here's maybe the most Hugh Jackson thing ever um, from this game yesterday. <laughs> so after the fucking whole entire world, including the Baker Mayfield haters, watch this kid just give this team their first win in 600 fucking days or whatever the fuck it was, get the whole city of Cleveland drunk with the fucking dilly-dilly shit, bring back a team from the dead, absolutely look like a superstar. This dumb fuck, literally the dumbest fuck in all of coaching, Hugh Jackson, after the game, made this statement, Rob. I have to watch tape before deciding on this QB for week four. (laughs) <laughs> you fucking kidding me <laughs> you're making that up i didn't see this you're making that Did up. you watch the game <laughs> like you actually have to go and watch tape to see who your quarterback is going to be in week four like i thought it was a troll you had one quarterback who went four for 14 for 19 yards and a half and you have another one that went 17 for 23 for 201 yards and scored 18 of your uh, 21 points like are you fucking kidding me? You have to watch. What the fuck are you going to see? What are you going to see on this tape? Not to mention we have years of Tyron Taylor. We I know. know should, Tyron Taylor. We got Tyron Taylor. We got it. Oh, my God. This dumb fuck. Like, it's, after watching Hard Knocks, it's like he's trying to get fired. Like, it's like he's begging them to fire him with the decision to punt from inside the 50. Well, it's, it's like he's trying to get fired, and they just won't fucking do it. They won't fire him. They just refuse to fucking fire. Last thing about this game uh, that I want to touch on real quick, uh, two quick things. Uh, One of them is you dumb fucks, you fucking pieces of shit that sit on Twitter and see me going out there. First of all, that's my job on Twitter. That's what I do. That's what makes me me and makes me irreplaceable on Twitter in this little DFS gambling universe. Because I am the only motherfucker, maybe there's like four or five others, Draft Cheat's one of them, but there's only a few others, that will stand on a fucking mountain before the game starts or early, early on in the game and make a bold fucking statement with my chest, double down on it throughout the whole fucking game, fire up Twitter and start a fucking war, and then when it's over, stick around for the abuse, okay? So you fucking pussies that fucking don't say anything when I'm winning those predictions, and then wait until the game's over to poke your little fucking groundhog heads out of the sand and go, oh, you dumb fuck, your old takes exposed, look at fucking Tommy J, you fucking little bitch fuck. I want to fucking kill. Like, that's, Rob, I think that's, I hate so many things about the internet and Twitter and all these people hiding behind keyboards and fake avatars. It's always the ones with fake avatars and no names and fucking, you don't know who the fuck they are or where to find them. And they got 27 followers, but it's like they fucking hide all game. So they have a no lose situation. Cause if I end up being right, they just log off Twitter. No one knows they existed. If I end up being wrong, all of a sudden they pop out like you dumb fuck and start tagging everyone in the world. S- stand the fuck up. Those of you that go back and forth with me all game, respect, much respect. Love you guys, even if I hate you while we're fighting. Respect the shit out of it. But these fucking groundhog fucks drive me nuts, Rob. Oh, I love it. When you lost, I just sat back in your mentions going, all right, here they come. Here they come. They're like little moles. You can see them coming out. I started seeing them attack. 
attack, attack. Yeah. And I was waiting. It's part of it, dude. You got to eat it, dude. You got. I knew it was coming, dude. I'm sitting in the bar with the kid next to me going, the kid next, I'm sitting there fucking just drinking my face off doing shots, trying to black myself out. And the kid next to me is like, this is the worst, because he's a Jets fan. He's like, this is the worst day of my life. You don't even understand. Like, that's the millennial line, right? Like, you don't even understand. Like, no one understands. All these fucking 25-year-olds out there, no one understands. No one understands me. You don't understand. My life's so hard. You don't understand. It's like, I do, motherfucker. I was your age already. You don't understand. Everything you think is a big deal is not. So he's like, you don't understand. My best friend is going to rip me apart because he's a Giants fan, and I'm going to have to deal with this all week. I'm like, no, no, I get it. I'm getting fucking lambasted on social media. And he's like, no, dude, you don't understand. And I'm like, dude, I have 38,000 people attacking my throat right now on Twitter. Yes, I fucking understand that your fucking nerd friend is going to send five texts to you this week. Like, I totally understand. So it's fun. It's part of it. But stand up during the fucking game. Don't wait till it's over. Last thing about this, Rob, I said McCown should have started all preseason. All season, I'm a big Josh McCown guy. I don't even know why, honestly. It's not like he's a star, put up amazing numbers. Uh, 3,000 yards, 18 touchdowns, nine picks in 13 games last year. Uh, he did a great job for a shitty team last year. The fucking terrible team. We, just, we had no business even winning two games last year, let alone you know five or six or whatever we won under. I think he was five and seven as a starter, if I'm not mistaken, before he got hurt. The thing about McCown is they were in every game pretty much. The season started a little slow in the first two games. After, the first, after week two, they won five games. And in their five losses, they lost by eight, five, five, three, and seven. They literally lost by an average of 5.6 points a game. And the other five games, they won. So, like, they were doing good before he got hurt. He looked good. He was a daily fantasy starter. We were playing him in DFS. He had a, he had a good season. He's a good leader. Putting Darnold in to start the season, and I sent a tweet out before the game, after week one I looked like a fucking shithead, and now I'm the one laughing, was a terrible decision. It makes no sense, Rob, why you would put this kid in to a situation like this in New York. This kid is bad, Tommy. He's not bad. He's not bad. I I think that's wrong. He's not bad, but he shouldn't be in there yet. Coming from the Jets fan. So – He's bad. He's, I mean, he, he's not your franchise. He's not going to be your future. Go, go ahead and, and bookmark that one. Um, the real story here is, is the fact that you're a Jets fan after all these years. And I know it's the longest suffering fan base or one of them in the, in the country. Uh, there were times where we envied Cleveland and Buffalo. T- Tommy, the, the real surprise to me is that you're surprised that the Jets lost to the Browns last night. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, you know, in the words of fucking Nate Diaz, you know, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers, but I'm not surprised, Rob, but I'm just like, come on, you know, like, come on. Hello, Fuck darkness, you. my old friend. Because it's almost like, you know, if you know, like, you have the worst luck ever, but you're standing next to, like, a homeless guy, it's like, well, you know, I got better luck than him, right? <laughs> at least it's not Cleveland. Yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, I'm a Jets fan, but at least we're not fucking Cleveland. Cleveland will figure out a way to lose this, and then the real Jets come through. But... The logic behind it is, first of all, it's a New York media. So this kid is going to get fucking lambasted if he does something wrong and be Joe Namath if he does something right. Second of all, we talked about McCown actually being good last year. But the, the le- there would be so much less pressure. And you have to – Todd Bowles is a fucking abortion. Like literally two of the worst coaches in the NFL were coaching against each other last night. But 
the thing about it is you knew you had three games in 11 days to start the season, Rob. Three games in 11 days is difficult to prepare for a veteran. So you're going to put a fucking rookie in there and have him have these short preparation periods between games and, and a couple of them even on national TV. Like, the fuck are you doing, dude? Put McCown in. First of all, they'd be 3-0. and But you put McCown in. If he balls out and is crazy, great. Then you look good. Balls, your job ain't fucking safe. You should want wins. So if they're balling out and everything's going well, then Darnold can sit back and learn from one of the best humans in football in Josh McCown who literally cares about Darnold and cares about him being good and understands that he's the future. This isn't an Aaron Rodgers situation where he's like, I don't need to fucking train these guys. This isn't a Brett Favre situation where he's like, I don't need to train these guys. McCown wants Darnold to succeed. He truly does. And, and then if, if McCown fails and the Jets start one and three, then there's zero pressure on Darnold because all the Jet fans gave up on the season. We're looking for the future. He's had an extra month. It just makes total fucking sense and i don't fucking understand it man i don't get it well like you said you have the worst coach in the league or the second worst coach in the league so we didn't even have the worst coach in the game <laughs> don't expect them to make good decisions but yeah. i totally agree they should be uh riding mccown a little more on the way yeah it is and it, or you know or maybe didn't shouldn't have traded bridgewater and started bridgewater you know they had options to keep darnold and fucking protect him a little bit but anyway enough about the fucking jets and the and the browns it was topical I want to hit on something here that you tweeted about, Rob, um, just to just to go through your Twitter account at MLB Model. We spoke about last show how you have pretty much the worst Twitter account uh, in America. Uh, here's a couple of Rob's tweets from this past week that I pulled up. I'm old enough to remember when people were panicking trying to figure out how to claim Bitcoin profits to the IRS. Uh, another one is, I got bit by a fucking bee, and you posted a picture of, I think that's your arm. <laughs> It's my arm, that goddamn bee. We had just finished recording. It was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I walk outside for the first time in a week, and a fucking bee stings me on the goddamn arm. You said bit by a bee. Do bees even bite, or do they just sting? Dude, I took so much shit about saying bit by a bee. I don't fucking know. Do they bite? Do they sting? Do bees bite? I don't know. I think they bite. Scientists have discovered bees not only bite enemies that are too small to sting, but paralyze their victims with a snake-like venom. The insects use their tiny mandibles to bite animals that are too small to sting, like the wax moth or the parasitic barrow mite. So unless you are a wax moth or a parasitic barrow mite, the bee stung you. Whatever that motherfucker did, he lit my arm on fire. Is your arm okay, Rob? Are you going to be okay? It's fine. I did a little uh, Benadryl treatment, <laughs> uh, took a couple of these, uh, I don't know, some sort of Tylenol or something. Yeah, yeah, you you're really... I mean, it hurts still. Yeah, you're, you sound like a complete bitch. I was expecting you to just be like, yeah, of course I'm fine. I'm a man. I got stung by a bee. Children. I mean, I'm here. I'm podcasting. I can't be held down. You're <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing can stop MLB model. Um, another tweet of yours, knowing everything I know. Oh, God. Here's Rob Spelling. Knowing everything I know, anoint myself. I'm assuming that's supposed to say about. Knowing everything I know about myself, I sit back in amazement weekly that I convinced another human to procreate with me. I think this is actually your most accurate treat. It, I am a terrible person. Yes. I, uh, I'm, I drink constantly. I'm yes. angry constantly. I'm yes. not nice to anyone. Yes. Um, and I have a lovely wife. It's, yes. it's amazing. I, amazing. I look at her sometimes and just go, and she fucked me at least twice. I have a couple of kids. <laughs> at least <Wow>. twice. <laughs> you can wow. prove that she fucked you twice. Because yeah, I, exactly. I wouldn't have believed she fucked you ever. 
<laughs> so a testament to my wife. She's a fucking saint, I guess. But I am, I am just awful. And when I look at myself, I'm just pure disgust. Uh, when I first met your wife, I was 100% expecting her to be at least three bills. Like, <laughs> not, there's fucking no one. No one. And she's fucking pretty. And the best thing about her is she's fucking cool. Like, we were going drink for drink most of the night. She puts up with your fucking dumb ass. I don't know, man. Between you and Jeff Manns, I don't know who I'm more impressed with that they got that actual cool woman to procreate with them. But uh, I, for somehow you did it. But Rob, speaking of your Twitter, okay, here's a little uh, talking point that I know you seem very adamant about. And you got me thinking about it afterwards. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles yeah. were wearing MLB jerseys for blind awareness, I guess it is. Like, pretty, pretty aware that there's blind people. But uh, with Braille on the back of their jersey. So the names were written in Braille. And Rob, I know this was a hot button topic for you. I was insanely triggered by this, and I don't know why. <laughs> I've calmed myself so down. I was fucking pissed. I'm like, Braille on the jerseys, you stupid motherfucker. And I was mad for blind people because I'm like, do you not understand how blindness works? You put the fucking, you put the goddamn Braille on a jersey and they're gonna, they have to touch the Braille. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't get it. And then I looked at the jerseys and it's not like raised Braille. Like, so I'm like, wow. Man, it's just dots. Braille. It's just flat dots. So it's like Morse code fucking dots on these jerseys. <laughs> and no one can understand it. Because... What in the literal fuck? I Sorry, I thought I had calmed down. I'm triggered again. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, maybe it's for blindness awareness day. I don't know if that's a thing. But then again, the world knows that there are blind people out there. I don't know that we need to call awareness. Do we need an awareness day for everything? Like, do we need an awareness for people with, like, ten fingers or people with nine fingers? Like, I mean, I, we get it, guys. All right. We're, we're fucking, but the Braille on the back of the jerseys is fucking so <laughs> it's dumb. It's like insult the blind people. I it, think like, – if you're going to do blind awareness, do a patch. Just like blind awareness day. Put the fucking braille. Or do, oh, do it. Dude, dude, this is just fucking. Braille is only read by the touch. You can only read braille if you run your fucking fingers over it. So a blind person, and actually in, uh, in college, when I got out, I moved to Hoboken. And it wasn't like my direct friend. It was like a friend of a friend. But he was blind. But he can kind of see, like, a little bit. He was fucking cool as shit. And he actually, like, just the senses were insane. But I was actually amazed at how in tune with even what was going on around him and what was going on on television. So, I mean, nothing but respect. It's amazing. This is not a knock on blind people by any means. No, of course not. No. Listen, I'll make fun of fat people. I'll make fun of snowflakes. I'll make fun of fucking everything. But this is a knock on logic. People who can see don't know what the fuck it says on the back of the jersey. And people who can't see... Don't know what the fuck it says on the back of the jersey. So no one knows what the fuck it says on the back of the jersey. It's not like if you make, like, if you have, like, Dominican Heritage Night or, you know, Latino Night or, you know, Chinese Night or whatever, and you write the names in Chinese or you write them in Spanish. At least those people that you're catering to can see what the fuck you're doing for them. This is like, like it's mind-boggling that like no one can see it. There's not a blind person in America who's going, oh, that's really great that they did that for us as they're watching the game because they're not watching the game and they can't see what's on the back. How did that meeting go? Because I know there's like eight, ten guys at this meeting. And they go, hey, we got to do something for blind awareness day. How about uh, dots? We, we, had a, we, had a, we had a huge shipment of dots 
micro dots. Oh, fuckload of dots. Why don't we do Braille at the back of these goddamn jerseys? Hey, Bob, what are we going to do with all these bats? Yeah. Let's stick with the back of the jerseys. We got about we got about a thousand dots that got shipped to us. Uh, let's just do Braille night. All right, yeah, Braille night. Braille night sounds great. <laughs> and everybody in that room went, great idea. Right, that's the thing. <laughs> these decisions, these decisions that are made by the NFL and by the MLB and by the NBA. Like the thing everyone always has to keep in mind is this was not one man's decision. This was a group of people in a room who ended up agreeing on these decisions that are made. So uh, very interesting shit there. We'll get to some Twitter questions in a little bit. But uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's look uh, back at week two, and then we'll dovetail into the whole bouncing back thing. So week two's gambling recap is not pretty. Week one's was fucking gorgeous. And I came out here swanging my dick all over the place. Every single person in the company fucking smashed outside of Kevin, which is the even better fucking super contest. We went undefeated, the Vegas super contest at the Westgate, fucking 4-0-1, just swanging our thing all over the place. And then this week happened. So uh, I got fucking gutted, gutted this week, like bludgeoned. And it seems like, you know, misery loves company. I really don't. I like fucking being on an island. But uh, it seems like I wasn't alone. I, I don't know if I've ever seen um, results like that. Uh, I've been, you know, we've been in this contest and tracking this contest for a long time. And it, of the top 10 highest percentage bets, so like 40% of the contest, keep in mind, these are, these are sharp bettors. Uh, 40% of the people bet on Houston, right? The Texans, right? So that, that lost. All the other top 10 bets, 20% of the people bet on this team, 15% bet on this one, 25% bet on this one. Of the top 10 highest bet teams, eight of them lost, didn't cover. And the top five highest bet teams all lost, didn't cover. So like you said, if you made a lot of money gambling last week, there's a very high probability that either you're fucking genius or you're a donkey because all the sharp money lost last week. A lot of fucking crazy weird shit happening. You know, you got to eat it. You got to take it on the chin. Not tr- Again, I know this sounds like we're making excuses. We're just trying to explain that when every other sharp person with you, you know, falls apart, then you can't be that mad about it. You can't be that upset about it, right? Like if you play um, Giovanni Bernard this week with no mixing and DFS and he's 43% owned and he rushes for seven yards, and with one catch for three yards. You know, you take your L, but you can't be like, my process was completely upside down or I was totally wrong because 40% of the industry agreed with you and everything made sense. So when we lost with everyone else, um, at least that's a little bit of a better feeling, I guess. But it did not feel good to get my fucking balls handed to me last week. No, and that Houston pick was 49% in the contest. 49%, wow. 50% of the contest took Houston. I bet Houston straight up, and of course, that didn't happen. Yeah, the thing that pissed me off was a couple of the bets that I liked, I actually didn't get in. I told you guys I like Jacksonville and I I like Tampa. I actually didn't get those bets in. I was sweating DFS and lost track of time uh, as I was drinking. That fucking would have saved me at least a little bit. But uh, Monday night had a good night, and then Thursday, it's just like, fuck, man, I really could have used that jet money line to finish off that parlay that we had on the site. But, of course, uh, the Jets being the Jets, that sucks. So uh, we'll get into week three in a little bit, but, you know, how do you bounce back after a week like that, Rob? What's the key to actually bouncing back after you just got fucking dragged 
or lost money? You know, what, what's your approach here? Yeah, a couple guys came to me about this, and I have done this for a long time, and I think I'm sort of an expert on how to bounce back and how to deal with this. So um, it's important to remember that after you get your money in, anything can happen. So you can go 10 and 0, you can go 0 and 10. You have no, you know, you have no bearing on the outcome of these games. So keep that in mind when you lay your money down. Anything can happen, anything will happen. This is the fucking NFL. It's insanity, right? So keep that in mind. After a week like this, it is very important to do first, don't double down and chase your losses. Don't bet exotics chasing your losses with 10 team parlays because you need to get back last week's losses. The important thing to do, Tommy, is accept that last week's losses are last week's losses and move forward this week as a totally new week, a totally new set of events, a totally new uh, 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 outlook. Don't let it linger. If it lingers, you will chase, you will bet exotics, you will do all kinds of pressing shit that you don't have to do. You don't have to do it. Just move forward like it never happened. And I know mentally that's we're creatures of, uh, of we do, we can't do that. That's not easy. Um, but psychologically speaking, if you're going to do this and, for, and be in it for the long haul, you have to be able to detach from a bad week. And and I I I struggle with that. You know, I I know what to do. That's why I'm a great teacher. But then when it comes to actually doing it, a lot of times, I I think if I would have followed my own advice, most of the times I'd be more successful at everything I do. You know, I'll, it's do as I say, not as I do. I realize that I'm a fucking psychopath and that I have no concern for money. Not not because I have infinite amounts of it, just because I just treat it like shit. I treat money like shit. I just fucking give it away and fucking spend it and fucking destroy it. So for me, I, I, I carry the tilt over, which I shouldn't. Perfect example was last night. I had the Jets money line to close out a parlay winning eight units and if I would have been up last week and if I would have had a big week and a good week, I definitely would have hedged out at 14-3 at the half. You know, I would have taken the plus 260, which I should have done anyway. Like, why the fuck? It's probably because I was just fucking hammered and I was locked into fucking the Twitter war. So I was all in jets. But I even said before the game, if we get a good in-game opportunity to hedge out with value with Cleveland, let's do it. And I didn't fucking do it. I don't Fucking alcohol. But, um, you know, that, these are things that you won't do after you just had – a crushing week because it's like I want all eight of those units back you know like I want all that to fucking refill everything I lost last week but uh yeah it's key the other thing that I'll talk about that we've talked about a multitude of times before is how I always tell you guys have a weekly bankroll don't have a full season bankroll have a weekly bankroll most of you don't have a full season bankroll if you break your full season bankroll into weeks that's fine too but you should basically know exactly how much money you have to risk for the week and then you can't get gutted. You could just have a, a max out bad week, right? But then the next week you start flat and you can go get it right back. So hopefully you guys aren't fucking doubling down and tripling down and quadrupling down. You're staying within your, within your weekly budget because in week one you shattered the earth. And then last week, obviously, it was, it was pretty rough. But, uh, you know, you should be fine going into this week. You shouldn't be chasing. You shouldn't have given it all back. That's the problem with most of you guys. As you start losing, you double down and triple down and you turn it into a complete shit show. So. Um, that's one thing to look for there. Uh, we'll get into week three. Let's sit, sit a couple of these Twitter, Twitter questions first. Uh, let's see here. How to create your own handicapping model. Braille. Braille on the Baltimore uniforms. Uh, 
Oh, here's Josh Wilson. Uh, Rob, this is for you. Uh, Josh Wilson would like to know, will my dad ever love me? No, Josh, your father fucking hates you. <laughs> I got to say, I agree. No, Josh, your father, <laughs> your father does not like you. I mean, the fact that you're even asking that question should, should answer it for you. Um, your father hates you. He's fucking your mother's sister, your aunt, and uh, he's going to leave you and you're going to be stuck homeless. Uh, Brian Esquire would like to know the superior drinkability of Coors Light, Robert. There is unmatched. Uh, Coors Light is unmatched in several areas. Uh, a, drinkability. I could fucking drink it all day, every day, no problem, right? I just drank some of my, uh, some of my Coors Light right here, Rob. Yeah, Tommy's still chugging this bottle of water and splashing yeah. it in his eyes. Because that's what fucking Coors Light is. It's fucking water. Let me tell you the beauty of Coors Light. Shitty right? tasting water. I am mostly a volume drinker. And so, you know, I will drink Coors Light up until the point I switch the bourbon. Um, so I want something I could have, you know, eight, nine of and not be just falling down drunk. And let me segue this into another conversation, uh, beer related, is that if you like IPAs, I think you're a fucking idiot. Um, because there, there is... I, I realize Coors and, Coors and IPAs are opposite ends of the someone, someone drinking Coors Light is telling people who drink IPAs they're a fucking idiot. This is, I, I'm, I'm curious here. Yeah, you're a fucking snob. Don't tell me that bitter, dry shit is fucking good. They have tricked you, America. These microbrewers have tricked you to thinking something that tastes like fucking garbage water is good. <laughs> it's not good if you like IPAs I don't like you <laughs> Coors Light and call it a day uh, yeah. Coors Light dude it's fucking, it's fucking piss in a can it's fucking water dude that's kind of half of the point like yes it's water but it's flavorful it's good it's tastes like shit okay. it all tastes like listen I, I'm not a beer guy which may surprise people um, I do not have strong leans on beer. Um, I can't, I don't go out and drink like fucking 13 beers. Like I see people do that, including you. And I'm just like, you're fucking stupid. So you can call the IPA people stupid. I'm going to call you all fucking stupid. Cause I could get accomplished in two shots. What's going to take you a fucking hour and a half. Like it does like, but you're a bourbon guy too. So I get it. Like, why do people drink fucking beer? Like I just, <laughs> It doesn't make sense. Like if you're just chilling, like, or if I'm coming down and I'm trying to sober up, I drink beer. If I'm on my couch watching a game and just hanging out and writing an article, I'll drink beer. But if I'm going to a bar to get fucked up with my friends, why the fuck would I drink beer? I could drink vodka or Jameson or like any, I could drink like real shit. Like, you're what? not human. You, what? you are not human. I don't get it. You know how long it takes me to get drunk on beer? I know what I'm saying. I have to drink 30 of them. Most people could go have five, six beers and get buzzed and feel good. Tommy G walks in. He starts popping the vein out going, <laughs> seven tequilas. Fucking Dude, go. And but but I, there's like a – there's like a – it's like a race when I drink beer. To, but the, the, the drunkenness is here, and then feeling bloated and wanting to kill myself is before that. So, like, I have to drink so many beers that by the time I'm on, like, my 12th or 13th beer and I'm starting to really feel drunk, I want to fucking puke because I fucking just feel bloated and fat and fucking 
I, I feel useless. I just, I could drink this, this little amount of alcohol right here and fucking pound it down real quick and get the same feeling. It's a fair know. argument. I don't get it, but it's a chill drink, right? Like it's, it's a, it's, it's the male wine, right? That's fine. But if you're going out to get fucked up, be a fucking man, build your goddamn tolerance. And beer drinkers are the ones who you crush with shots. They think they're fucking drinkers. They think they're big time drinkers, beer drinkers, but they get fucking hammered once you start feeding them shots because their body's used to beer. Uh, that's my favorite thing. Um, let's see here. How bad exactly are the Bills? Dumpster fire bad? Yeah, the fucking worst team I've ever seen in my life. They're the worst team I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, nothing, there's nothing positive to say about the Bills. They're an absolute cleat. People are retiring at fucking halftime on that team. That's how fucking bad they are. Um, David Johnson. I know his first few games are tough. And then we'll go to this week three right after this. I know his first few games are tough, but is there reason to be hopeful? Uh, if you're hopeful, it's because of what it is. It, it, it's sort of what he's done in the past, but I can tell you from my opinion, they need to win games and to do that, they're just not going to be able to do it on the ground. And so, you know, I, I think I read they're going to work them out in the slot a little more this oh, week. Wait, I was... uh... <laughs> now? <laughs> so, now? Yes, he's moving to the slot a little more. The dude played in the slot all last all last, last year, last year and the year before. Uh, it successfully dominated. That's what made him so elite. His slot presence, his pass catching ability. Is running outside the tackles, and it took this dumb fuck three weeks to realize, oh, you know, maybe we should move David Johnson to do the thing that he was doing before where with Arians where he fucking was really fucking good. And maybe we should – like, oh, my God. Like, I don't care if you're a new coordinator or a new coach and you're coming in and you're like, here's what I think is going to work. You have to look at the tape of what Arians was doing with him and say, oh, this worked really well. Let's continue to do this. Not let's try my dumb shit and see if it works, and then we'll go back gradually into what worked prior. It really is amazing. When I read that, I started laughing my ass off. Um, to answer your specific question, I'm not high on David Johnson at all. I don't really own him in any leagues. I can't imagine where I'm going to start him in DFS anytime soon. Um, I'm a seller. Like I don't have much, much use for him right now. Yeah, I, I told everyone to avoid him in drafts um, before the season started, mostly because of this line. You know, that was my biggest concern, that they're going to be playing from behind a lot. He's coming off an injury. I don't see them leaving him out there in games where they're down 20 points, 22 points, 25 points to go get banged up again. So I don't think you're going to get a lot of that garbage time points that you're, you thought you would. I mean, is there hope? Yeah. But uh, is he going to return fourth pick value? No, no, no fucking chance in hell. But can he return – Third round value, second round. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he can if they start using him appropriately. But uh, he's not going to be up there with the likes of, you know, Kamara and Saquon and other guys that you took him over. So, uh, sorry, Patty. Uh, don't think there's much hope. Rob, let's look at week three in the NFL. Um, some of these it's – it's an interesting week because we actually finally have, like, four games with totals, like, at 50 or above. Uh, which is rare for this NFL. A lot of the totals have been coming in in the you know mid 40s, lower 40s. But we have the Bucks Steelers 54 on Monday night. We have the Patriots Detroit 54 on Sunday night. Those won't be on the main DFS slate, obviously, but uh, they are available to bet. San Fran Chiefs 55 total, and then 53 and a half on the Saints and Falcons. So 
literally four games with totals over 53 and a half. I, I don't remember seeing this in maybe a couple of years, Rob. I may, I may be wrong, but this doesn't happen very often. No, me either. Yeah, it's uh, indicative of this NFL, but I actually lean under on one of those. Um, you know, I feel like the KC Sam Fran's a, a touch high. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I see all these games being shootouts. Yeah. Is there any, you were talking about the Vikings game. You were talking about the total there, I believe. Is there something you were looking at? And by the way, guys, we'll have all our consensus picks from our whole staff at guruelite.com on the site by this weekend. Uh, me and Rob will have our, all our bets down. Uh, just giving you a little high level here and then we'll narrow these down. Uh, also we'll have all the super contest bets in the article too. So whatever five games we go with, we haven't even locked them all in yet, yet, but uh, whatever five games we end up going with, um, we will actually have those posted for all of our subscribers, uh, whether you have the weekly pass, the seven-day pass, or the full season pass. Um, and keep in mind, even though we did go two and three last week, Rob, we're still ranked like I think 230th or something, right, out of 3,400? Yeah, absolutely. That's the nice thing about the contest is when everybody gets gutted, it doesn't hurt you as much. Right. So we're still yeah, we're right there in the top 200, something yeah. like that. So uh, you asked about that game, though. So I'll be leaning under there. Um, you know, Buffalo is like nine and four in their last 13 or something on the under. Um, I make that total about four points off this market. So, wow. um, I'll be leaning under in this game. That's a big, that's, that's rare for you, right? Like to have four points on a total. Yeah, it's quite a bit. Yeah. Two, two to three is usually the most you'll see. Um, the market hasn't really moved much my direction yet, but, um, I'm definitely leaning under there. Okay. So, I'm I'm looking at that game, and that game's still circled probably because of the Dalvin Cook yeah, news. It looks like Dalvin Cook is not going to play for the Vikings, so you're probably going to see a lot of Lat Murray in that game, and the Bills can't score. So um, another a couple lines that really moved, not from the uh, – we were talking before about the pinnacle open and kind of the bookmaker open, right, if you want to do a quick little analysis on that. So what will happen is – and so these games will open in Vegas uh, for the next week. Um, Five Dimes and Bovada and these other shops will open them for the next week. And then you'll hear a lot of people talk, um, say the Giants opened at three and a half and then it's at six right now. So you'll start going, well, there was a three point move there, two and a half point move. Um, but if you look and do this, do this next week, check it out. Wait for Pinnacle to open and then go look and see. And you'll see that the timestamps of when these games move from three and a half to six correlate with when pinnacle opened their lines so uh, you'll hear people say and i've seen this quite a bit well money moved this line here or there but that's not true the the five dimes or whoever opened it at three and a half pinnacle opened and they just hurried up and matched pinnacle because that's where the sharper money will be um so you see that quite a bit yeah and i mean so if you're looking at the bookmaker opens the giants opened at three and a half it's now six and a half i think denver was three and now it's five kansas city opened minus four and a half another minus six and a half so it uh, does look like there's at least a little bit of steam, you know, on these, on these teams on some level. Granted, as we just talked about, the penny open is all that matters, but it looks like these bookmakers are off and opening these lines by two to three points. So it does say something. Um, we'll talk about the FanDuel situation in a second, too. It's not as hot of a topic right now because it's pretty much dead news and everyone already knows about it. But we'll spend a second on that in a minute. But I want to go over some more games here. So I love Houston in this game. I want to get in on that right now if you didn't already. Um, this game is at six and a half. I want to get this before it goes to seven. Giants are going to be missing their center in this game, and the rest of the line can't block. So that's a bad thing. Um, one of the biggest problems they were saying that the Giants are having is with their signal calling. 
So now they're missing their center. So the communication on that offensive line is terrible. You got, you know, Merciless and Watt and a lot of these fucking gangsters on the Houston side. So I like Houston from a DFS perspective and from a bet perspective. I think they're just going to be in Eli's ass all fucking game like every other team is. So that's definitely going to be uh, one of my bets that I would say to get in now at that six and a half number before it heads to that key uh, seven point number there, Ralph. Yeah, it's moved to seven in a couple spots too. Yeah. So that, that's happening now. So I would try to get down on it. I'm in on that already. Um, another game I like, I mean, what do you think about this guy? Let me, let me ask you on this because I'm a little bit torn on this one. Um, the Packers minus two and a half against the Redskins. Because what I like to do at this point in the league is I like to get down on numbers that are off the key numbers, right? If it's a team I like and it's off the key number, I want to hit it now. So I haven't done my full research that I'm going to be doing through the rest of the night tonight and tomorrow for my bets. But Packers minus two and a half against the Redskins. I, after last week, I guess I'm just a little shook with road favorites and shit. But, uh, but what's your take on this game? Do you have a read on it? What's your model say? Yeah, I'll be – I would like to play Washington. I'd like to play yeah. Washington in the Super Contest as well. Well, we're not, um, we won't be. So I'll have that fight. Vito! Uh, but I would lean Washington here. I understand why people might want Green Bay. Uh, looks seems like, like, like a trap. That's, what I'm, that's why I'm asking you. It seems like – like, I, it's one of those where I look at it and I'm like, am I being a donkey here? Like, that line looks fishy to me. So I see all kinds of stats constantly, and I don't, I don't put a lot of weight into um, uh, historical data like this, but Green Bay is 5-2 and two in their last eight meetings, um, and the favorite is 5-2 and two in their last eight meetings. So uh, for whatever that's worth. Do you have a weird bet? Do you have a bet out there that, that you're looking at right now that it's – because even though your model will spit something out, you'll bet it. Right. But there's still times where you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to push this button. Like, is there anything you're looking at right now where you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ, I can't push this button. Can I? Yeah, all the time. Uh, uh, I'll tell you one game I'm looking at. I haven't I haven't bet it yet um, is I think I lean Oakland, Tommy. I don't yeah, know how you feel it. about bet that. It. Bet it. Um, bet it. That's one of my favorite bets of the week. Okay, so it's not that weird. Well, maybe no. it is that weird if you like it. But. Well, no, I love the weird lines. See, that, that's the thing, because I look at them differently than you, right? Like, I know a lot of these lines are, are traps. You know, like, I look at them, and I'm just like, oh, this, is, this line is fishy. Me and Eddie Motts were talking about this, this Oakland game. Dolphins are undefeated, playing at home, leading the division. Oakland's in a little bit of chaos, flying cross-country, west to east, and it's only a three-point spread. Seems like that should that, that's a trap. It seems like they're baiting fucking Miami money by what I'm looking at here. So I like Oakland in this game getting the three points. Um, I think it actually might even move up. I think you might be able to get three and a half to four on Oakland by the time this is all said and done. Because right now I'm seeing on my book, Oakland, uh, Miami minus three, minus 122. So this is looking like, it, at least on my book that I play on, it's, it's looking like it might head up to three and a half very shortly. So, yeah, that's a, that's a fair number. I'm going to wait on this and, and see if I can get that up to three and a half, four on the Oakland side. But I think Oakland wins this game. Um, any take on this, uh, on the Steelers this week with what's going on with Antonio Brown and all this shit going to the Bucks? This is only, if I would have told you before the season, curious to see what, uh, what Cheetah's guide had this at before the season. Because this is one of those games where it's like, if I would have told you before the year that the Steelers are playing the Bucks on Monday night and it's a one point spread, you would have looked at me like I was fucking insane, right? Yeah, I still think you're fucking insane. And I still think that line's fucking insane. Uh, there's way too much. We're, we're, we're a uh, buy the rumor, sell the news type guys here, Tommy. Um, mm. I am a buyer here of Pittsburgh. 
um, at this number. And, and I think there's a lot of speculation and bullshit baked into this line. It's interesting, man. It's like, this is one of those lines that makes me want to, wherever I think, whatever lines I look at and I think the whole public's running to, that's where I try to go the other way. And this, I haven't made a final decision on it yet. I'll make it in the article. But this is one of those situations where I'm sitting here looking at this going, every fucking degenerate loser fuck in the world is going to have their life savings on Pittsburgh. Right? Every, if you go to the sports book at MGM, forget about your community and the Sharp community. They're going to take whatever the numbers say. But I just picture sitting in a sports book at the fucking MGM or Aria or wherever and being surrounded by a bunch of dudes with holes in their shoes screaming for the fucking Steelers. <laughs> like you could just see, like none of them are betting Tampa in this game. So, so it's fifty percent right now, Tommy. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the bet percent. It's fifty percent. The actions on you know it's dead split. That's crazy. I would have thought that would be tremendous. Eighty one percent on the over though. That makes sense because Pittsburgh can't stop anyone and neither can yeah, Tampa. Exactly. But God, I just can't I can't see a fucking novice better betting. I mean listen, sometimes those win. But I can't see them playing that. Let's talk about the FanDuel situation real quick, and then we'll get out of here. And uh, I'm supposed to have the interview with Siege in D.C., recording it separately. So uh, we're supposed to be doing that in about 45 minutes, and I'm going to patch that in after me and Rob are done right here. If either of them don't show up for the interview, don't blame me. The podcast will end at this point, and I'll come back on and talk shit about them. But uh, first, let's talk about that FanDuel situation, then we'll get out of here, Rob. So it looks like FanDuel is paying this dude. What's your uh, What are you saying? Yeah, I don't think he should have been fucking paid. Uh, I might be in the minority here. Um, and, and I understand that, uh, you know, apparently the way things work uh, in Las Vegas is uh, that they will pay a ticket as written. Right. Uh, I don't know what the Jersey law is, um, but FanDuel, I believe on their own good graces, is deciding to pay this money, which from a PR perspective, um, it's worth more than $82,000. Right, right. This is a this is a PR move yep, yep. and a marketing move by FanDuel, and I wouldn't be surprised if they fought it initially to set it up for this to say they're oh, not that they're not that smart. They're not um, that smart. That's what I would have did. But Tommy, to your question, the thing that people need to remember is Las Vegas might do it that way, but they are a speck on the sports betting landscape. The overarching market is all of these global sports books, these international uh, markets where all the money is laid. And I can tell you that uh, this would not have been paid out anywhere uh, in, those, in those larger markets. Keep in mind, they are unregulated, though. So that is the difference there, right? They could fucking kind of just tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah, by and large, they can tell you to go fuck yourself. But, yeah. um, they're not going to pay this bet. You and I have always had, or, or anybody who's bet for a long time, have had just these numbers where you go, how the fuck is that? And then you I had it. it. Remember I had it for the, uh, the Nash was Nashville predators. I think in hockey, remember they were, uh, they were listed at plus four or what? Plus 400. What was it? No, they were listed at plus 900 to win the Stanley cup. And they were in game seven of the conference finals as a favorite. And I was like, the fuck? Like, how is this possible? And, uh, and I hit the bet, remember? And you were like, there's no way they're going to take that bet. And I was, check, I was refreshing like every hour for the next day. And then they pulled the bet down. You know, so that's a different story if they realize it's a bad line before the game happens. But I've had bets like that where I've won. And they're like, sorry, like, you're, not, you're not getting paid on that. 
Um, I don't think he should have got paid out either. But you knew he was going to because now every knucklehead is like, wait, if, if they make bad lines and they pay out on those bad lines, I got to gamble at FanDuel because I'm going to get paid out if they fuck up again. Yeah, exactly. You know what happens to me is I'll fire on a bad line. Not only do I not get paid, they fucking tell me they not try to come to- back ban you right exactly yeah. and so it's a fast way to get banned from a sports book so i think this guy should have not have been paid and i think i mean they could have just told him never to come back here uh honestly i didn't think he was gonna get paid until it started like my initial stance was there's no way they're fucking paying this there's no way they're fucking paying this but once all the fucking outcries started and it started to once it was on scott van pelt and it was all over fucking like major news channels were covering it i was like oh now they have to pay it like they have no fucking choice at this point it's because they're new. If the FanDuel Sportsbook had been around for 15 years and they had a track record like the major sports books in Vegas, they'd have been like, oh, fuck yourself. You know? But being that they're new, being all the controversy with DFS, being how difficult it was to get this legalized and how many hoops they had to jump through and shit like that, the last thing they want to do is be tied up in court right now over fucking $80,000. Like, because people are waiting for them to fail. People want them to fail. And it's funny online, Rob, when, when I started defending them, I'm like, dude, they made a mistake. You shouldn't get $80,000 on a bet that you were supposed to make 500 bucks on. You know, the IRS sends you a fucking refund for a hundred grand when you were only supposed to make a thousand. You don't get to just fucking keep it. It was a fuck up, right? And people are like, well, if it would have lost, would they have paid them? It's like, no, because he would have lost. <laughs> like, would they have hunted him down to give him his money back? No. Because their mind probably would have been like, oh, we realized it was a bad ticket. We would have paid him the value of the ticket you know, that, that he would have received. They weren't trying to avoid the bet at any point. They were just trying to pay him the fair amount that was going on. They never said your bet is void. You don't get anything. They tried to give him the fair amount and then some, you know, and Giants tickets and all this kind of shit. So, um, you know, I mean, they had to do it. Uh, it's, it was a smart move by them to do it. But listen, this will be the first of many, 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 many fuck-ups. Um, by these DFS companies and sports gambling, trust me. Yeah, they ultimately made the right decision. I'm, I mean, I guess I'm glad they paid the guy. They get it off their back and get it out of the national spotlight. But you're right. We'll see more of this, more to come. And uh, they've sort of set a precedent now. So I don't know how they're going to handle this moving forward, but um, they've set a precedent. Yep, that's the problem. They've set a very dangerous precedent. <laughs> it's a very dangerous precedent that they've set right here. But uh, anyway, Robert, I have to go and hunt down Draft Cheat and the Siege for the first ever Tom King No Mercy Promotions presser on the Siege DC battle. We got we to figure out a name for it, something like Rumble in the Jungle, but, uh, but different, the DFS throwdown version of it. But uh, thank you for coming on, my friend Robert, and uh, may, may all your bets be uh, better than last week this week. It can't get any fucking worse. Let's do it again next week. <laughs> all right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Stay all tuned. Right. Here comes Draft Cheat and the Siege. In the DFS throwdown, No Mercy Productions, March, whatever the date is. We don't know the date, but it will be in March. But stay tuned. It's coming up next. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's get weird. We are here live for the first ever DFS boxing press conference backed by Tom King. This bout is presented by the undefeated, undisputed king of podcasting, No Mercy Productions, and is sanctioned by absolutely nobody, because literally only 17 people give a fuck about it. Introducing first, fighting out of the blue corner. He hails from his mother's basement in Minnesota and holds the world record for hot pockets eaten in Hitler videos made in a calendar year. He has very few recognizable skills, and we have no idea if he can fight or not. 
Give a warm round of applause for Peter Draftsheet Christensen. And in the red corner, hailing from a Chili's Grill and Bar outside of St. Louis, Missouri, this man's skills include being a below-average lawyer, a much-hated tweeter, along with having a career in DFS and most recently landscaping. He holds the world record for most consecutive and accurate hot takes. We also have no idea if he can fight or not. Give a warm round of applause for CJ, the Siege, Kaltenbach. And we're live. What up, boys? I think we got the MC gig figured out. <laughs> I think I'll handle the mic. So just for those of you that don't know, uh, I am joined by first, the first man to speak was CJ the Siege at the Siege on Twitter, S-E-I-G-E, correct? CJ? DFS. There's a DFS there. Yeah, it's there at is the a D- DFS. There yeah. is a DFS. At the Siege DFS from Arbor Pro Fantasy Company, new fantasy company, which you just joined. We wish you guys much success, even though we'll poke some fun. Uh, we do wish you guys a lot of success. So how you doing today, Siege? I'm doing good, man. I got to say that uh, first, uh, I'm glad this is uh, finally coming together. Uh, Just like every good fight, you know, you got to have the have the first cancellation to to get the hype going. All right. So listen, we're we're all hoping for it. I am going to be backing this. I have already committed $5,000 of my hard earned money that I'm going to put towards charity if this thing takes place. So keep in mind, if this doesn't happen, you are not only letting down the industry and us, you're letting down many needy children that this money will go to. Uh, and Mr. Cheater of Drafts at Draft Cheat on Twitter, uh, you work for, in my opinion, the best company in the world, Guru Elite, a partner of mine at guruelite.com. And uh, how are you doing today, Mr. Draft Cheat? Fucking pumped, man. I get to beat Siege's ass in like seven months. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he's talking about. He's happy this is finally coming together. We had this thing lined up a year ago. He was running his mouth on Twitter, as he typically does, said he could beat my ass. I accepted. I bought some boxing gloves. I posted a picture on Twitter of me at the gym. And all of a sudden, he's got uh, some some scar tissue, quote unquote, in his shoulder. And he somehow made it to a doctor in like 14 hours and couldn't get clearance for the fight, which I don't know. Apparently, that's not an issue now. So, so we're good to go, I guess. Yeah, we've taken care of uh, said scar tissue. So uh, we're, we're ready to go. It's been a full year. We, uh, we went under the knife. We took care of it. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we'll be ready to go. That's, that's good to hear. So, so let's start with a quick little backstory here. So this all started about a year ago. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't even know. I jumped in late on it. But uh, CJ got a little drunk, I believe. This was at least what I heard. He, he pulled a little prison, prison siege. Uh, on the internet and started challenging draft cheat to a boxing match. I don't know where it came from. If you guys would like to elaborate, whoever would like to jump in at any point can. And then I believe DC, you woke up to all this, right? If I'm not mistaken, you didn't even know what was going on until the next morning. Yeah. Pretty standard for us. You wake up, you look at your phone, maybe you're a little uh, groggy from the night before and you got like a hundred plus notifications and uh, yeah, all of a sudden you've got a, a fight brewing, which apparently is going to go down this time. Yeah, so this happened last time, Siege, and Siege, you did back out. We have to. We have to. Be, I'm going to try and remain neutral here. Oh I like- no, absolutely. Yeah, let, let's be clear. I, I definitely, I definitely backed out of the fight. It never sat well with me, and uh, it, it, I think the time's right to uh, to uh, amend that wrong. All right, and and like I said, I'm going to remain neutral, and it's not. For any other reason outside of I actually am friends with both of you guys. I fuck with both of you. Obviously, people know me and DC are very close. We work together. We're partners in the same business. But Siege, me and you actually get along too. And you know, even when we have our shit and I go at your fucking throat 
Um, I still go at other people who I think are saying some insensitive things to you that aren't needed to be said. So I know where the line is and I'm going to try and remain as neutral as possible here. So, so the first question I guess is what would each of you place the odds of this actually happening in your mind? I'm going to start with you DC because I already saw your, your Twitter post, but what are the odds of this fight actually happening and me not wasting my breath, time, and money to set this whole event up? I mean, from my perspective, like literally a hundred percent chance that I will be there. Um, so it's just completely up to Siege whether or not this fight actually goes down. I will one hundred percent be there for this fight. Um, will you be in the stands, or will you actually get your ass in the ring? Ooh, shots fired! <laughs> yeah, I'll get my ass in the ring. <laughs> and Siege, what would you put the odds of this fight happening at? I'm gonna be there. So it, are it you sure? Be- there, listen, I'm just. A lot of people there. are doubting. Like we've we got, are- we've, look, we're putting it on audio. It's on record. This is being recorded at 3 o'clock. There's no, there's no substances that are influencing any decisions here. Like, speak for, speak for yeah. yourself, my friend. <laughs> I mean, Siege, there will you got to understand. With MyBookie.com, promo code GuruElite, 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. We're already speaking to the people at MyBookie to put odds up on this. And I'm telling you right now, the odds of this actually happening will be a dog on the seed showing upside. And you have to understand that you, you need to. Good. Can I bet you, on it? Yeah, you can. You can. So you're, you're saying. It's phenomenal. Good. You're, please. You're, you're saying that this is what? 99%, 100%, 80%? If I survive, I will be there. If I'm alive, I'll be there. Okay. And keep in mind, there will be a fight happening. That is 100%. Because if either of you decide to bow out of this fight, any time between now, if you did it in the next week, I won't kill you. But if this thing gets steam and I start putting together VIP parties and hiring ring girls and fucking doing pay-per-views and shit for this thing, and either one of you back out, there will be a fight. And it will either be with each other or it will be me showing up at your house ramming a tire iron up your fucking ass. So there, there's going to be a fight one way or another. I am banking that it's going to happen. And speaking to you both individually, I am confident that it will happen. What is the actual outcome of this fight, Siege. How do you see this fight going? I, I think that, you know, Jackshi's definitely going to try and test the, the agility. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm going to try to make him come into a corner and let's see if he's got any uh, muscle behind that thin frame. So you're going you're gonna to kind of ropey dope him and bait him into the corner? You feel I, I like think, you're better off in the corner than in space? I, I think Jackshi's going to have the speed advantage and there's no reason to try to get into a speed battle with DC. I, I think uh, if, if we can start trading blow for blow, that's where my edge is going to be. Let's say we did three rounds, three, three minute three rounds. rounds. He's not surviving a round. Oh, okay. So you're predicting a first round. It's like, it's like Mad Lab's talking about needing a corner. I'm like, the corner only matters like, in between rounds. So that implies he's going to make it past one. Draft sheet. What is your uh, analysis of how this fight ends up? I mean, I'm such a lock to win this fight. I'll, I will allow Siege to bring one weapon into the ring. It's a garden it has to be a garden tool. So we're talking a hedge trimmer, a hoe, anything like that. He's allowed to bring that into the ring. All I need is gloves. Like, this is going to be, like, DC is going to be so scared when he gets in the ring. Like, it, it's going to, like, all the early money is going to come in on DC, by the way. So if you want to bet on me, just wait. All the dumb money, it's going to be just like McGregor Mayweather and all the McGregor money is going to come in early and everyone's going to just yap about DC and have how good he is. But all the sharp money will come in late on me as the fight gets close, closer. People will realize, wait a minute, massive weight advantage, massive muscle advantage. 
like, muscle I'll advantage. Get the, I'll, get, I'll get the I'll get the I'll get the late money. So if you want to bet on me, just wait. DC, I, I I don't know. Those are some uh, some tough words there for someone who who we did kind of think might might have been a little nervous in the last one. Yeah. Again, I'm not picking sides here, but I, I, it just seemed a little coincidental that the dropout took place after your training video draft sheet. Like it was, you, you showed a video of you in the gym, and within 12 hours, the dropout happened. Do you think Siege is scared of you? The only chance Siege has to win this fight, I don't think we've decided on a venue yet, but if it is at his home court of Chili's Bar and Grill, uh, <laughs> I could run into some trouble there. So, do you, Siege, do you think you have – I mean, obviously you have the size advantage on draft sheet. Do you think you have the mental advantage? It sounds like you do. It sounds like you think that he's going to come in there a little shook, a little worried about his brand as the big favorite possibly, which is obviously always the, the worst spot to be in, right? It's always better to go in as the dog. So – do you, do you think you just have mind control over draft sheet right now? Draft sheet's counting on this fight not happening. Like that's his edge in all this. He's counting on this fight not happening because it's somewhat the moment the bell rings, he's gonna be like, "Oh shit, I'm about to get beat down." Draft sheet. He says you're counting on it not happening. That's interesting. The uh, may I? Which ask- worked for him the first time, by the way. So I don't blame him for trying the same strategy twice. I, don't, I listen. I'm not. I'm. I'm remaining neutral here, so I'm not going to make any opinions here. The, I, a little bit about each of your fight histories. Um, I know you both fairly well. Um, I've seen both of you pretty drunk. Um, I don't see either of you as being guys that, you know, are, are running into bars and, you know, having, you know, a hundred fight history like myself, getting in fights with every single person, including tire irons. But uh, is, if either of you would like to elaborate on a little bit about your fight history or anything that, that might give the fans some sort of an edge on who they're betting on, um, CJ, we'll start with you. I mean, you'll see it in the ring when when this fight happens. I, I don't need to give away any edges. I don't need draft cheat to to be able to study past tape. Um, okay, so right. I'll, uh, I'll I'll take a pass on that one. DC, would you pull the chili tapes from the last twelve years and see if see if Siege has been in any brawls? I mean, I don't even know why we're talking about fight skill. I literally need to be able to like stand up for three minutes without falling over to win by TKO in this fight. <laughs> Will you guys be wagering on this, DC? Will you guys have a personal wager? And if so, I think the personal, and you don't need to, you don't need to declare the amounts or what it is just yet, but if so, I would like to stipulate a rule that if either person, if the other person backs out, it is an automatic win and money must be paid. Are you looking to do a wager with C. Jones? Yeah, I, I'll get down every cent I can in this fight. Yes, absolutely. Siege, would you be willing to be a part of that also? I'm willing to just see how much of a dog I am first. I, I, this, this could be like the best money-making opportunity in the world. So I, I might need to take a bank loan out to bet more on me. Siege, what, what about the people, and I'm going through some Twitter here. What about the people who are saying that because of the starting of the new company, that this is nothing more than a publicity stunt to get on the hottest sports podcast in America, the No Mercy podcast hosted by the great Tommy G, and that you just wanted to get some airtime because you know I'm a good host, and I'll always shout out all my guest companies and, and treat you with respect while you're here. What about the people who are saying that this is a straight publicity stunt and that that's the reason this is never going to happen? I don't think that I would survive your wrath if I pulled that stunt. Oh, no. Yeah, and that's what I told everyone, because I've been told, don't let see John. He's just doing this to get pub, and then he's going to back out. And I said the benefits of being on – and, and honestly, you guys will be on again. This will be a thing as we go forward. This will be a continuing thing, and we'll be promoting it and bringing attention to, to your Twitter and your company. But at the same token, the wrath will be dark, and it will be scary. 
uh, if this does turn the opposite direction. So, uh, so DC, we, we spoke about conditioning, right? Siege, we're going to go into your training and conditioning in a section, second that's obviously a hot button because you're a big dude. So any big guy getting into a fight, you're always going to worry about, you know, endurance and durability. What's, what's your plan, DC? What kind of shape are you in? What kind of shape are you going to be in? I know you've already reached out to the, the great Mad Lab and are looking to get him in your corner. Uh, do you have a plan of attack for this fight? Yeah, no, I'm not going to train. I'm just looking forward to eating uh, nothing but pizza for the next seven months to get in the same weight class. Should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Siege? For those no, they might take more than pizza, DC. I got to be honest. <laughs> DC's going to be living in a Chili's going forward. Uh, Siege, what about the people who are saying, and this is a valid concern, if this does get out of the first round, your conditioning, is this something that's going to be able to hold up? Now, I have seen you play basketball, and I, and I have told people you are actually – more athletic than your size, and you are more nimble than your size. So I have a little more confidence than most that your conditioning will be a little better. Is this something that you're looking to drop some weight before the fight? What's your plan going into this? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that dropping some weight is definitely one of the reasons why I've agreed to do this fight. Um, you know, maybe the traditional no motivation tactics have not worked as well for me as it's, they should have. But the opportunity to just slam DC in the face numerous times is about as good motivation as I'll ever get to get in better shape. So uh, it, it's now or never for me. So, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've gotten some inquiries right now for people that want to train me. So uh, we'll see where that leads. And, and do you guys actually hate each other? Because I felt like at first it was a bit of a ruse. But now I feel like you guys really don't like each other. Uh, DC, I'll start with you. Yeah, no, I think that's fairly accurate. Um, <laughs> I mean, like him or not, I do want to beat the shit out of him. That much is definitely true. <laughs> CJ? I, I feel the same way. I, I don't despise him, but the the opportunity to punch him in the face a few times will feel really good. Okay, and we're going to be looking at, you know, this thing happening in March. So, CJ, you had some uh, stipulations on this, which uh, I would like to address. So the stipulation was what? There needed to be some sort of contest that I think I need to get involved into or something. What's going on here? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the stipulation is that, you know, DraftCheat uh, tried to um, enter the season-long foray this year, and it went uh, pretty disastrously for him. Mm. And so uh, I, I challenged him to play in the, uh, the Platinum League, the highest stakes league out there. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll be teaming up with Derek again. And I told, uh, I told uh, DC he could take anyone from Guru not named Vlad. Uh, he doesn't get to get a ringer in in this. Um, he's got he's got one. He's got Tommy G. So. Tommy, I, I, having you as his partner is actually probably a downgrade to just DC. So I, I'm quite thrilled about this. Oh, now now me and you are going to fight Siege. But uh, again, this isn't about us. I will try and remain neutral. I will say one thing though, in defense, that you Siege, as someone who's transitioned all of us from seasonal to daily fantasy, and have spent years explaining how. Daily Fantasy is the big boy league. Daily Fantasy is where the money's made. We're dropping five figures every Sunday on football. I'm a little curious as to how a $1,500 entry over 15, a 15000 okay, Even $15,000 entry over a 17-week period, which is basically how long your money lasts in a seasonal league, comes out to, by my terrible math, somewhere in the ballpark of $900 a week would be considered the big boy league when we're playing in $5,000 entry tournaments on DraftKings. So I'd like you to well, elaborate on that. But what's your, what's your, what's your ROI in that? Like 5%, 6%, right? Like it looks all nice. Like when you throw the screenshot on Twitter for 50,000, but
but then you don't post one for two weeks. You're running super thin margins. The margins in season-long leagues are just absolutely massive. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't want to disclose see, our, see, our numbers see. for sure. See, the negative ROI isn't going to be the only red you're going to be seeing this year, bro. Like, this is, <laughs> this is going to go south for you in a hurry in, in both contests. This is – I am very confident in that at the very least we will win the – if all goes wrong in the fight and I lose, like, the good news is that I just have no chance of losing the season-long contest yet. So, like, at, at least, like, we'll have – I'll be able to gain a little pride back if I lose. Sounds like you're looking for consolation prizes, Ray Siege. I don't like that. I'm no. looking – honestly, honestly, honestly yeah. like – Honestly, it's, like, well, it's, it's more like DC's drawing – he's drawing to a draw. Like, he's, he's drawing dead. I don't really know if anyone cares about seasonal. We stopped caring about that about five <laughs> years ago. So Yeah, well, that was before, <laughs> the, before the sites added this 15% rake on anything real people can play and the rake going up and they're going to start caring about sports betting more and more. It's week three and FanDuel doesn't fucking have a Saints starting wide receiver in their player pool. It's only going to get worse from here. They don't even know how to fucking take a bet. They don't even have a simple override to make sure they don't put up post 751 odds. Like, these sites are poorly run right now. So, like, the return to season long is coming. It, it, and it's uh, – if DC knows. I mean, DC, well, like, if you, had, if you just hadn't drafted horribly, like, you have some teams that are, like, somewhat competitive because you've done amazing waiver work. So, like, there's amazing. an edge. He's complimenting you now, DC. How do you feel about that? Nah, it's just bullshit like he always is. I mean, let's be honest. I, I, I kicked DC's ass in, in the DFS tout league, so, you know, I can do it. I'll do it again. I, I mean, I would like to stick to the fighting. I mean, this is this is. I mean, the, look, the, look, people just don't believe the fight's going to happen. So like, no, but it is. We're, it is. It is going to happen. But the, gonna... We can talk about the fight all we want. People are just going to be like, I, I see it when I believe it. So, like, we can gladly talk more about the fight in, like, December, January when we've got a date, we've got a venue. You know, like where? Got, well, let's I, talk about that. Where's the venue going to be? Where are we thinking, boys? I, I, I'm flexible. I, I think if we do it in March, we should do Vegas. But if if Rough and Rowdy wants us to be a part to be a main fuck event, I, I really would fuck listen. Rough and Rowdy. They could fucking blow me. We're fuck Rough and Rowdy. We're doing our own. We started this. We've been talking about DFS boxing with you guys fighting each other for three and a half years. So this is overdue. We're doing <laughs> our own fight. We're we're not not going with Rough and Rowdy. That's for damn sure. We're doing this. We're doing our own fucking thing. No Mercy Productions will not be a part of that. We're going to make our own thing, and we're going to blow it out of the water and destroy anything like Rough and Rowdy. Um, I, I t- I, by the way, how many people do you think are going to come into this fight? Like seven. Who- oh, I'll take the over on seven. <laughs> no. Over on seven. I mean, literally, I plan on doing promotions and giveaways and flying people out and doing shit like I don't that. think you're going to need to fly people out. Like, I've already got people right now that are like, just let me know what the date is, and I'm flying out. So, like, I, I think you're going to get more interest in this fight than you think. Listen, you'll get you'll get on rough and rowdy. You're going to get more viewers. You're going to get a bigger audience. You're going to get all that. But this is going to be hoard the fuck up and ratchet it up to the nines. It'll probably be a smaller venue with less people. We'll have obviously film it. But uh, I'm going to make sure that the after party for this is what I'm focused on. I really don't give a shit if you guys beat each other to death. But uh, the after party is what I will be focused on. But DC, how is this fight going to go? I mean, I know everyone can just say oh, I'm going to fucking knock him out. Are you, you seem so confident. Are you going to toy with him? Are you going to carry him a little bit? Are you going to drag it out? Are you going to try and tire him out? Are you going to be going to the body, to the head? Like, what's your – how do you envision this going? How are you going to fuck Siege up? Whatever way I choose to do it. I haven't made a game plan yet, but any of those things are options. I, I'm going to make him suffer a little bit at least. You know, I'm not going to put him out of his misery in the first few seconds. Um, you're you're going to make it past the first few seconds. That's cute. Uh-oh. 
I'll, I'll drag it out a little bit and uh, make Siege make a fool of himself before he hits the canvas. What, what do you think about the other person's chin? And let's be honest here. What do you think? Like, do you think DC has a chin? DC, do you think Siege has a chin? No, there's no way Siege has any sort of chin. DC's never been out of his mom's basement. I, I know he's never been in a fight before. So, like, we all know his chin is going to be quite terrible. I can't, do either of you have intentions on getting a little drunk before the fight? Because I would say Siege, you'd probably be better off staying sober. And DC, I would actually like to see you fucking drunk in that ring because that's when I have I don't seen. want any excuses for when he gets his ass pummeled. I'll, I'll be drinking beforehand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't see you fighting uh, this fight sober, DC. Of course not. He'd be too scared to walk in the ring if he didn't have alcohol in his system. I just, I have seen the rage. I've seen the DC rage, and I don't know if I could see it. Siege, the, uh, what, what are your family and friends thinking? Has anyone, has anyone communicated with you? Have anyone told you what the fuck are you doing? Or is everyone on Team Siege and looking to train you? With, I know, we know DC has already been in touch with Mad Lab, who's committed to train him. Uh, as often as possible between now and the fight. Do you have an, I saw you posted a tweet about some boxing academy in St. Louis. Um, there is a plan here. We know there is. You're both going to take this seriously. So what, what's the plan? Who, who are you going to? Who's, who's going to be training? All right, well, we've got a couple options on the table. We're, we're, we're exploring those right now. Um, we'll kind of see. Um, I, I definitely need, before I get started the training, I definitely need to get myself in a little better condition. So we're going to kind of focus the first month or so on conditioning. And then we'll honestly, like, I'm not going to need a whole lot of boxing practice to knock out DC. So most of it, this is really going to be conditioning based and getting yourself in a situation where, you know, you can kind of hang conditionally against him because he's going to be running around scared and, you know, I'm going to have to walk and chase him over. And so like that part will get annoying. So I'm going to have to get in a little better condition. To do that. Okay. And DC it's just uh, eat pizza and drink beer, gain some weight and just pummel. Business as usual, my friend. <laughs> and uh, we have a question here. Will this fight entail slapping? Do either no, of you... absolutely. Slapping should be an automatic disqualification. And I also have a question. Siege, briefs or boxers? <laughs> boxers. Boxers? What about you, DC? I can see you rocking the briefs every once in a while, DC. CJ, are you going to bring an extra green polo for the one that's going to be bloody in the, after the first <laughs> couple of minutes here? You know, you know I, I, I don't really, – it's really cute that you think you're going to land a punch. Like, I, I got to be honest. This, this is really kind of funny. To you are a pretty small target. I don't know if I can hit it. <laughs> you're implying you have the reach to even get a punch off before you're on the canvas. <laughs> This is, this is, what, what is your ring attire going to be, guys? I mean, like, is this uh, – have you thought about, like, what you're going to be wearing in the ring? Pretty tough for me to do anything other than a green polo, to be honest. Just give me my – think, I think you should definitely fight with the green polo. Uh, I, I, I really think that that's pretty much going to just kind of have to happen. DC, have you thought about it? Are you going uh, jersey? Are you going shirtless? Are you going uh, green polo? What are you doing? Ooh, the, the shirtless thing could scare the entire audience at, into running away. That that might be a good tactic for him. Like Medusa's eye, I could turn into stone. Draft I, I own like three shirts, so it'll be one of those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And do you guys have colors you'd like to prefer? Would you like to deem your colors that you'll be wearing for your trunks in the fight? Do you guys have a preference? Well, we know Siege will be in green, so I'll have to find something to uh, to go against that. <laughs> okay, so you should go red for the for the blood. I guess you were saying that'll be on Siege's exactly, body. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, this was the first of many pressers to come. Uh, this was just kind of your appetizer. The point of this was really to just put both of you guys on the spot nationally, committing to this because now 
This isn't just in our little DFS Twitter universe. This is a national thing now. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, subscribe to the No Mercy podcast. Follow us on Twitter, again, at DraftSheet, at the Siege DFS, S-E-I-G-E-D-F-S, and at Tommy G. We'll probably create a new handle for this. Uh, I'm going to be thinking up a creative name that this will be called, something like the DFS version of Rumble in the Jungles. We'll think of, think of something that's witty and uh, probably put a poll out for you guys to contribute to it. This will be taking place in March. The venue is currently unknown. Uh, I'm assuming some of the possibilities would be Denver, Nashville, and Vegas seem like three that definitely are on the radar. So I'm assuming it will be one of those three. And um, just stay tuned for updates on it. So, gentlemen, thanks for coming on. And uh, final words for you, Siege? What did MLB set the what, what did he set the fight? I know he set this the fight odds. What did he set him at? I think he set it at minus three fifty for DC. <laughs> That's phenomenal. He initially, on, and I have to be honest, on the pre-show, I asked him, and he said minus eighteen hundred. That was his, that, thought, man, that, that would be some. And I said that's ridiculous. I was like, make a real one. So I think he said it at minus three fifty. I don't know what it should plus, be. Plus plus three hundred for me is phenomenal value. If you can yeah, find that anywhere, <laughs> DC uh, final final comments. <laughs> plus plus three hundred, dude. Come on, phenomenal value. Phenomenal value. Oh man, this like yeah, everyone that's listening like, to this. Trust me, get as much money down on me as you can at whatever odds you can get them at. And you and you would say the fair line, do you say a fair line that my bookie should post? A fair line. With no bias. The uh, minus uh, six thousand. <laughs> <laughs> For draft sheet and the siege, I am Tommy G. Good luck. Stay cashing, motherfuckers. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. Oh.